Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Monday, October 14th, and congratulations to each and every listener. You scored the same amount of points as Michigan State this past weekend. John, congratulations to you. And to you as well, sir. Thank you very much. Well, I think we're blowing right past the congratulations due. See, people forget Michigan State did beat Wisconsin in the football that we really care about. Global football. Mm -hmm. To the layman's soccer. Yogo Bonito. That happened also this week, but I guess more people quote-unquote, watch American football in America? I don't know. Well, at at this point, we may want to reevaluate things as a fan base and maybe, you know, lean a little more international in our our sporting. I'm in. At this point. Maybe it's better to watch than, uh, I mean, here's the thing. People say they don't like to watch soccer because there's not enough points scored. I don't have a lot to say back if you're a football (laughs) fan. Michigan State right now. I see that, and I raise you not scoring at all in football. Yeah, it's been uh, six straight quarters here where MSU's put up a goose egg. Um, You know, good, bad, weird, a few shout-outs. Good, I hit the under. Yeah, same. Yay for all of us. uh, for real, let's try for real. You know, obviously Wisconsin won 38 to nothing. Um, the game plan was to contain Jonathan Taylor Thomas, um, and they did. Yeah. And then he was held to 102 all-purpose yards. Unfortunately, one Jack Cohn pulled his best Alex Hornibrook impression, <laughs> and threw darts all over Michigan State secondary and really, you know, not pressured throws, just very well, uh, I guess you could say scouted and planned routes where they knew exactly where their players needed to be um, to get incremental gains to continue to keep the chains moving, ending in a time of possession, walloping for 39, over 39 minutes of offense for uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, yeah, wild. I, I think this was honestly like the Mona Lisa of Wisconsin football. Mm. Uh, I mean, it felt like getting what I imagine getting bludgeoned to death feels like. It's just, I mean, they had a couple fourth down conversions. It was three yards, three yards, two yards, fourth down conversion. Like just bam, bam just just old school you know, 80s, 90s, three yards in a cloud of dust type football. And 
honestly, I give them all the credit in the world. I think the, yeah, dude. They, I mean, they, they came out and executed everything they wanted to on offense. And then on defense, they pressured in what looked to be an unprepared and very flustered Michigan State offense. I think what you saw more than anything else was the difference between a great offensive line and an offensive line that is playing, you know, with shoestring and duct tape, keeping them together once for yet another year in a row. Um, this was from Wisconsin's point of view, offensively, uh, they it was just a very well crafted game plan. I mean, I mean, they knew what they were going to do. Not to say that they don't really do this every single week, but there's there's something to be said for having an identity. And I think that if we get into some of the bigger picture issues with Michigan State is something that MSU has been, quite frankly, lacking since Connor Cook left. Yeah. Uh, they they yeah. haven't had that really at all. Uh, and now whether that's, you know, we'll get into the myriad of issues moving forward here, but whether that's coaching, whether that's scheme, whether that's talent, execution, all of these things have been issues. And uh, it's... It really shows itself when you play a program that says, hey, just puts it on the table. It says, hey, here's who we are. Here's how we're going to play against you. We recruit to this. We play to this. This is our identity, and we're going to come and punch you in the mouth. That's yeah, just what they've always done. And you, you saw from Michigan State a team that's not ready for that same type of challenge. Yeah, and but the difference than this year's Wisconsin team is they have a hell of a defense, not just a good defense. Yes. In an a, a, elite one, one that – um, I guess is one that maybe we wanted or wanted to believe Michigan State's could be. Um, a lot of it, though, <clears throat> is <laughs> playing against an inept offense. And, and, you know, while Wisconsin is just doing an amazing job against all the teams that they've played, I'd be really curious to see once they play a competent one um, how that translates. They have a stud in uh, um, Chris Orr, I believe. The, the linebacker. linebacker? Yeah, he had a great game. I mean, he, he looks like the real deal. But, I mean, it's it's all for – it's a two-way street. Michigan State, as you mentioned, the offensive line, just beat to hell. Leading rusher is Tyreek Thompson on a fake punt call. Probably uh, the only other good thing you can p- pick out of this game well, was and that here's, fake punt call. Here's a telling thing. You know, as we know, D'Antonio – doesn't call the plays, takes a back seat, you know, on game day. Um, and he called that. And then you could see him going for the first time I've in, in some memory, him getting very verbally uh, interested in the game sure. and his personnel. And te- essentially that was D'Antonio stepping in and saying, this is inept. I yep. need to do something. And he did. And then, that was quickly followed by, I believe, two sacks, uh, false start, you know, and it's just like <laughs> he, he there's only so much you can do. But that's what D'Antonio signed up for when he brought in uh, all the coaches back and just switched positions or sw- switched uh, coaching titles. So, yep, absolutely. And, and let's talk more about this game and then we can zoom out and, and talk more about just. You know, heading into a bye week, I think it's a good time to assess state of the program. But uh, in terms of this game, I think, um, you know, defensively, some of the big things, I thought Simmons was once again all over the place. Joe Bocci was all over the place. But I do want to say something about Joe Bocci. I think he I think he might be banged up. It's a complete hunch. But the amount of 
times he has tried to strip the ball instead of just yeah. taking somebody to the ground. It, it, it's something he hasn't done in four years. I mean, he's been a starter or close to it since he was a true freshman. Can and I tell we you? Never saw this issue. Well, and that's some. That's you know. Sometimes you'll see people press, and when mm-hmm. you, that that is a captain and a senior that sees that offense trot out there and put up goose eggs, and that's a guy that's trying to do something. No, absolutely. And 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 this team needs turnovers. I think if they want to finish the season, you know, with a respectable record, they they're going to need big plays from their defense. And and in games like that against teams where they are just clearly outmatched, they're going to need that kind of help. But also, you can't be giving up two, three, four yards extra because you don't have that elite level defense anymore. When you know, I think this is still a very, very good defense. But they've proven two weeks in a row now that against the elite of the elite, they're not hanging this year. Uh, well, and like, but like you said, unfortunately, a lot is left to be desired um, because the they get no breaks. You know, it's interesting. Right. I think I talked about it on a couple podcasts ago. But they didn't give any points up in the third quarter. Again, they've mm-hmm. only given up three all year. I mean, that is a rested team. And, and for what it's worth, no, they've only given up 17 in the first quarter all right. year. And, and seven of them were uh, this this against Wisconsin. And candidly, a, a great play. Fourth and inches. Um, and they threw a pop pass. Yep. Great call. Great call. You know, great defense. They stuffed the the run on that play. They were going to get out of dodge. Yep. Good play on both sides. So, and then they're on the one, and of course they're probably going to score from there. What I'm getting at, though, is a rested defense. This team, when rested, is probably an elite defense. But like we talked about, they were only running. They've only ran like how many plays in non-garbage time offensive plays. None. Right. They can't. The defense gets no breaks. Yeah, and and that is just an uns. I don't care how good the defense is because you're right. I think statistically they're not what they once were, but talent wise they're they're every bit as good as as they've been. I think you see some more leaks this year than than previous. I will be the first to admit. I think the loss of Kari Willis was once again probably a little understated, um, just because we've seen it, especially the last two weeks. Xavier Henderson has has been missing tackles. He's been making the wrong reads in the in the run holes. Uh, and against teams that run the ball like, you know, Wisconsin and and Ohio State, that, that's going to come back to kill you. But it, the defense still, obviously, like we said, very, very good. But you, you just can't expect them to go out there against very the elite of the elite and not have some type of complement to, to go with them. And I think that kind of brings us to, to talking about the greater – state of the program and kind of where we're where we're at so we're seven games into this season uh five to go uh hopefully six you know a bowl game i've obviously i think everybody still expects to make a bowl game and and while this isn't the three and nine year of of a few back uh or honestly really even last year to be totally honest with you in some ways i think this is the most revealing year thus far um we talked about it coming in, how Mark D'Antonio had, you know, he made the decision to, to shuffle the deck rather than bring new guys on uh, this offseason. And, you know, it was, I think it's especially timely because he was asked about it by a reporter whose name I'm not going to even give airtime to here. 
whether it was a mistake not changing that up. He responded pretty much the way you would have expected him to respond, saying that's a, quote, dumbass question uh, that, honestly, a journalist should know not he's either going to embarrass his coach on which is what he ended up doing or he's not going to get an answer so uh yeah shame on that guy but um either way you came into this year knowing that things you didn't get the amount of change that most of the fan base probably wanted and to be quite honest that the performance probably warranted uh especially well exclusively offensively and what you and I said at the time, John, was that, okay, this is Mark D'Antonio's, this is his call. This is his program. He's going to end up being the winningest and now is the winningest coach in program history. Took them to heights unforeseen before. And now this is your this is your mulligan. You get the opportunity to do this. And if it works, no one's going to question you. You're going to be great. Things are going to be great moving forward. But we're sitting here now seven games into the season. And the defense is not as good as it was last year. Which is understand. Listen, you can't expect top two defenses every year, but the offense also, like you said, hasn't scored in six quarters, and I think it's pretty proven that MSU right now is not a challenge for the elite of the elite in the Big Ten. Which raises the question of moving forward now: what has to happen? What what is this? program going to look like at the end of the year and in my opinion and then i want to get your thoughts on this as well there are really three scenarios the first is that essentially a borderline miracle happens the offense is able to figure everything out uh put together a productive rest of the rest of the season run the table finish nine and three go to a decent bowl game there's that scenario or you get to the end of the year. This team probably kind of keeps going in, in, in some iteration of what they are right now. Finish probably eight and four or seven and five, assuming they, you know, at best case scenario, split the pair against Penn State and Michigan and then take down, I believe it's Illinois, Maryland, and Rutgers to end the year. Have another middling season, get to a, you know, whatever, the Gator Bowl or something like that. And then you have to make the decision of, do we really trust this to get better moving forward or are we just going to clean house? And if we're going to clean house, is given what he did this past offseason, is Mark D'Antonio really going to get rid of everybody? And essentially, I think we're at a point where we can ask, truly, what does the future look like here? I think it's every, every scenario is, is on the table. And John, I'm curious to hear what you think the most likely of these outcomes is and, and your general thoughts as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, good, to, good setup here because um, the team is what it is. Uh, you saw that it is not competitive against uh, elite teams. The Ohio state game, I think we all a little bit shrugged our shoulders and said, that's, and that'll happen you know they got the best recruiting classes and you don't have to like recruiting stars or not but folks the evidence is in the nfl and they put a lot of people there um and but the damning one was this weekend because you're playing the same level of talent um top to bottom and lost by 38 38 to nothing and it was not a quote bad game meaning it was was not a ton of unlucky bounces or wild thing happened that was unforeseen. That Wisconsin team beats Michigan State 
team nine out of 10 times, maybe more because they were better prepared. And they, as you mentioned earlier, uh, had an identity. They didn't make any mistakes. I believe they had one penalty. They weren't lining off offsides. They weren't dropping shotgun snaps. They weren't, they, they weren't, they, they look like they practiced during the week. <laughs> candidly, they yep. look like they had been around each other before. And so it's one of two things with this coaching staff because it's not also you can't pinpoint it onto one personnel group or you know one player it's all of them mistakes are made at every small personnel group and it's a different group that um slips on the banana each seemingly each series and that tells you that <laughs> either the coaches are unable to get through to these kids and and do know what they're doing but are just unable to get through to them or they just don't know what they're doing now i believe that they know what they're doing but they're just unable to get through to them um because we've seen them have success before um and that again though like you mentioned it begs the question of well if if the best case scenario is they know what they're doing and they just can't get through to these guys and that's the best case scenario then what's who's to say that they get through to the next year's group Mm-hmm. And and you gotta you gotta be honest with yourself. Now the unfortunate thing here is the the everyone's boss is uh, a guy who is probably just trying to get to the weekend. Been Bill Beekman, and you know he, in that he is in no position to make the type of decision to fire or make a massive overhaul at the biggest most profitable. Uh, sport and so it comes down to is as you mentioned a d'antonio decision on completely revamping his his group or as you know we've mentioned and tiptoed around the tea leaves uh was the reason he brought everyone back uh you know because this was a swan song and it's pointing in that direction i'd say yeah, I, I think that's a completely fair – I think at this point, it, 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 to be quite, quite honest, and John, you and I have talked about this not on the podcast, but it it's surprising that that didn't get a little bit more attention when it all happened uh, or, or that that theory wasn't a little bit more prevalent. But the further down the line we make it, the more it becomes – yeah, I think to your point, when you said D'Antonio was finally vocal on the sidelines again, I mean, he used to be one of the most vocal coaches in college football. This dude used to be animated when he was younger. In fact, of the matter is he's into his mid-60s. He's had a heart attack. He's been around for over 10 years. And maybe the fire doesn't burn as bright. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But, and that to me seems like the most likely situation here and I think you've kind of watched it happen ever and and this is going way back but ever since Pat Narduzzi left I think you had in Pat Narduzzi a guy that owned the room for half of the team and you essentially had two head coaches yep now and so D'Antonio really could concentrate he's always a defensive guy but he could kind of do a little bit more in terms of being vocal, being more involved in, in game plans because he knew he had half the field just completely covered and he had a guy that everybody would listen to regardless. And they had a reputation and they had a great thing going. Since then, you know, D'Antonio's had to be the one to be the driver. And listen, he's lost another defensive coordinator in that time in Harlan Barnett. Uh, 
So it's been more change. And then offensively, you know, he he kind of let Dave Warner get away with with a complete and total lack of innovation for several years. And, you know, it just has been this strategic, you know, steady decline. And you just wonder if, like, is Mark really driving these guys as hard as he used to? Is he is he saying the things in the huddle and in the locker room? Not the huddle, obviously, but, in, in you know, on the sidelines and in the locker room that he used to? Because it'd be a fair question to ask that if, if he's not. And all of the things that are coming up here, just so many bad trends. And I tweeted this yesterday. Bad throws, drop passes, huge penalties, drive-killing penalties, terrible sacks, missed tackles, baffling baffling clock management these are mistakes that michigan state didn't always make like this but michigan state's brand of football for the longest time was we were going to be better coach we were going to do what wisconsin did not necessarily in the same game plan of bludgeoning people to death but like we are going to have an identity we're going to play to that identity that's what we're going to do and we are going to force you to be perfect to beat us and that is just completely out the window now over the last unfortunately four years four years we're three yeah. and a half years into this type of shit happening all the time. And at that point, I look at D'Antonio and I say, thank you so much for every single thing that you have done here. You have given me personally some of the best memories of my lifetime. You, you're the winningest coach here. If you want to stay in the athletic department, by all means, let's name the field after you. That's fine. But if you don't have it in you, to live up to the level of excellence that you have created and instilled and and trained a fan base to expect, then you owe it to your fans and your students and your players and your university to find someone else that can do these things and to, to handle this gracefully. And I think we're at a point where that becomes a very real discussion. Yeah, it does. I mean, you mentioned uh, the best case scenario. Things become perfect and, they, and, and things get cleaned up and they win out, okay? They go nine and three, and they play in a second-tier bowl. Okay, great. So the new ceiling for this coaching staff is is getting pantsed by elite teams. Right. And that tells you, and, and frankly, even if they clean it all up and they beat the remaining toughest two teams on, uh, on the schedule in Penn State and Michigan, who, by the way, if they do that, I'd have a hard time believing that they are good teams. And as we know, we don't think there are many yep. in, the, in the country. So the the gap is still significant. And you have to take a look back and say, okay, well, that's the new ceiling as long as this uh, group is in there. And there's no data to believe it would be any different than that moving forward. And you know what? Some people might be okay with that. Um, I think I've, you know, I would guess a lot more aren't. And so, as you mentioned, you know, D'Antonio, uh, he's brought this this group, this this fan base to places that they had dreamed about, and he created a new bar. He set a new bar. And nine and three, um, and, and losing by, you know, 30, 20, 30 points, 40 almost to elite teams, that's not the bar. That's not the bar. Right. And, and, it, and, and it's, hard, it's hard for me to see any of that changing unless – he completely gets re finds a whole bunch of new people. And even then that's not guaranteeing anything. So as you mentioned, it could be a transition, a graceful transition as D'Antonio um, is a little bit older. Uh, and, and that's okay. And so, you know, that asks, begs the question, 
if that we're all pointing in that direction and everyone's skirting around it and some people are just outright saying it, who is it then? Who's the guy if it's right. not him? And frankly, I don't think there are too many options. But that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. No, I, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I think, you know, I don't want to speculate that far down the road. I think, I mean, there are some likely names out there that will probably get a little bit of steam if this becomes a more tangible and real situation. But, um, I mean, I think there is something to be said about, uh, at a certain point, again, when we look at all of the the multitude of things that are wrong right now and that are happening in-game, a lot of that says to me that this is... And here's a corollary for you. Uh, Brady Hoke and Jim Harbaugh, just using this. Brady Hoke's teams were an absolute mess, doing a lot of the same things that are going on at Michigan State right now. And then you saw when Jim Harbaugh came in, now things have changed since then, obviously, but when he first came in, that that first those first two teams he had were exactly what we're talking about wanting to see from Michigan State. Discipline. They had an identity, whether you like it or not, agree with it or not. They had an identity. They had passion. They had drive. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot. Ultimately, what undid them what was a lot of just self, like just coming up short in big moments. But they put themselves in a position where these big moments were moments that could have won them the Big Ten, you know? And they could have gotten you to some amazing places. Michigan State is three steps removed from even being in those moments. So to me, it says, hey, you that voice, that simple change in voice in the locker room is something that can tighten a lot of this stuff up. Because ultimately, you, you more talented players aren't going to help you not commit penalties. You can still win with the level of talent that Michigan State has. It's just... You can't do it without executing damn near perfect. And right now, they are very far from that point. So to me, you know, again, whether it's you hate to – it is hard to say, like, yeah, just change the coach and then things will get better. Because that might – that simply put might not work. It's a gamble. There's no way around it. But I don't know. I just feel like Michigan State belongs clearly in the Tier 2, if not Tier 1, of this conference because we've seen them get there. And uh, they, they're just not there right now. And you just wonder, without pretty significant changes, I would say, again, everything could go perfect. It could turn around and be great. I, we're hoping for that, certainly. But in all likelihood, you're going to get to the end of the year and you're going to find yourself in one of those two scenarios we laid out soon, earlier. And I just don't know if either of those things are fixed by keeping things in-house. So I, I just wonder what the the answer is, and, and it's an unfortunate que- you know question that we have to, to debate here. But I, I do think that there is a, a very real boiling point. And one other thing is, you know, the fan base is as ugly right now as we've seen it since I'm going to say, man, I don't know, man, maybe since John L. Uh, to be totally honest with you, uh, I, I think even in the three and nine year, everyone was kind of like, wow, this is. This is a blip. We knew we were going to not be as good as last year when we made the college football playoff. People were kind of willing to you know, walk past that. And we go 9-3 and three with the exciting young team. You're like, okay, start of a new generation. And then last year, I think even there was a level of, you know, hey, this is stuff we can fix, just a lot of injuries moving forward. This year, yeah, there are injuries. Certainly the tackles being out does not help. But this year, it's 
so many more things that you're doing to yourself. It's not stuff that's out of you've used your mulligan at the three and nine year, the seven and six year. You kind of just you know put your hands up and say, hey, the injury bug got us this year. You don't have excuses. There are no excuses to be four and three right now. Yes, they've played. And I know what you're going to say. They played three. The three losses are all the teams that are ranked in the top 15, probably coming in next week. But those are games Michigan State used to win. That that should be the standard they hold themselves to. They should expect to be in that top 15 discussion. And the fact that you're not only losing, but in the last two cases, getting your asses handed to you, embarrassed, frankly, is an unacceptable standard that they need to change one way or the other. And the question of can this be the coaching staff to change it is completely valid. And and I don't blame anybody for asking it moving forward. Yeah. I mean, they have a week off here, a bye week. Um, and then they're going to play against a top at the very least seven team in Penn state. Um, who's knocking on the door of wondering if the country, wondering if they're any good, mm-hmm. uh, they'll be playing Michigan in a night game. We'll get to that in a second, but, um, they're going to have a couple weeks to, 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 to see if this team quits, quits, and that's the type of thing that at that point they might they might roll over against uh, God, even a Maryland or an Illinois if right. they just give up and lose by 40 again to a, Penn, to, to a team you know that is now good. see, if that happens, if they quit, then the, the cards have been dealt. I mean, that's, yeah. you don't have questions after that. So you'll see, you know, in two-ish weeks, you'll see if D'Antonio still um, has the team, holds the attention of the room, you know, has everyone on board. So we'll see. And and that'll be really telling, you know. Yeah, so, I agree. So let's, uh, let's jump into the national stage because this weekend um, – in a word, as the kids say, was lit. Uh, <laughs> well done. It was wild. Uh, first thing, Red River shootout. Did you catch any of that game, Austin? You know, I didn't get to watch a ton of that one. Um, but I did see that they started a nice little scuffle before the game, which I always, always support in a rivalry game. Huge fan of um, fake fights before uh, rivalry games. Um, you know, ones where no one's really going to do anything. But they just a lot of a lot of yapping, so that took place. The Texas State Fair, Oklahoma, uh, takes down a, a scrappy Texas program, upstart program, uh, <laughs> thirty-four to twenty-seven. Texas, um, not back. Remains remains unback. Un, it's right now. I will say, uh, I tell you what, poor sports over there at Oklahoma saw a lot of the horns down. I thought there were rules against this type of thing, but I suppose Can't do not. that. You can't do that, man. That Oklahoma fan scoff at Ugh. your Big 12 rules. Yeah. Be um, damned. Yeah. Another wild game, morning uh, early kicks. Georgia, who we thought might be the real yeah, deal. Wow. Upset by a 2-3 and three South Carolina team at home. South Carolina really came in and, and, and re- they really did the damn thing. Um I wonder just how long that bought uh, Will Muschamp because I know he's had some good years, but hey, man, going in and winning in Sanford Stadium is a good way to add on a little bit of extra job security. Um, I I think Georgia – okay, so this hurts Georgia for sure in that they now basically have to be perfect. Now, they don't have Bama on the schedule until the SEC championship in all likelihood. but That was going to happen anyway. Right, and you do still have – 
Uh, Florida, I believe they still have to play Florida, the world's greatest outdoor tailgate or outdoor, cockt- outdoor cocktail party. Um, and I know they have some other big games left on that schedule. So, like, you got to be perfect now. And that's, that's, that's a tall ask. But you know who I really think this hurts is Notre Dame. Because Good Notre call. Dame has a very mild schedule the rest of the way. Because Michigan is not what they were supposed to be. USC, who they beat last night, didn't cover, which is not... Oh. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. close, 30-27 final yep. for the uh, Domers. Yep, I mean, they don't have – I mean, they, and then the rest of it's kind of a middling SEC or ACC slate. I mean, Stanford's not anything to write home about. So uh, that loss to Georgia was, in a way, kind of one of their big signatures. And now with Georgia uh, being knocked down a peg, that's – Notre Dame might be done. Yeah, I would, they, I, I would mean, have It was always going to be tough for Notre Dame with the – even unless they had beaten Georgia – with that loss, it was always going to be tough, but like now it's real tough. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about there are only five good teams. Um, one of them, and we'll talk about them right now, LSU. Um, yeah. Home team against Florida, win 42-28. to 28. Um, LSU, officially good. Officially good, yep. Dropped another uh, 40-plus game on what is a very good defense. Um, yeah, I think they jumped all the way to number two in the polls this week, and man this LSU-Bama game is going to be as big a, a game as there is. And I think the at this point, you probably say that the loser of that game is is still very much in contention for like Like now Clemson has no breathing room, in my opinion. Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Like if you lose a game, especially Oklahoma and Clemson, if you lose a game, like – you're probably going to get bounced for LSU or Bama if each of them only loses the game to each other. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they, they just made things a lot tighter because that's, boy. Uh, and LSU, man, they've won big games now. You beat Texas. You beat Florida. Uh, I mean, they've, they've got some big wins under their belt. And Joe Burrow playing himself into first-round conversations. That's right. I mean, LSU uh, is doing all the right things. I think now we've established there are five good teams, uh, Alabama, uh, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson until proven otherwise. And then you have a couple others knocking on the door, probably Wisconsin and Penn State being uh, those two teams. And, you know, you mentioned Notre Dame already. That's about it. You know, Florida just lost. Um now, obviously, they and Georgia have a chance to to, to right the wrong and win out. Yeah. Both but, of those uh, teams still a- have a shot, though. But now both of those teams have to win out. Whichever one of those teams wins out, if they were to beat Bama in the SEC championship game, you then it's, – it, it's so gross because, like, Bama's getting in. Like, one way or yep. the other, unless Bama loses twice, they're, like, get, they're definitely getting in. And they're not going to lose twice. Uh, so you probably go from LSU. Let's let's assume LSU loses to Alabama in the regular season. Then, if the SEC championship game is a one-loss Georgia or Florida, if they were to beat Bama in the SEC championship game, rather than it being Bama and LSU that gets in, it's probably uh, no. Then it's definitely either Georgia and Bama or Florida and Bama and uh, LSU get bunched out or gets gets pushed out. Either way, SEC is usually overrated, in my opinion. 
But um, like the top is really good. But this year, man, there's some really, really, really good teams at the top of that conference. Absolutely, yeah. There's a huge separation, it seems, between the tier one and tier two. Um, and here's a an example: Alabama um, takes down Texas A and M forty-seven to twenty-eight at Texas A and M. Um, there's just a big separation, and you know A and M brought in Jimbo to win a natty, yep. and you've you've seen the trophy that they've already created, hmm. the, the plaque that says Texas A and M national champions in twenty blank blank. Well, <laughs> got to tell you. Three lost Texas A&M. I don't think it's happening this year. No, I don't think so either. I mean, Bama's just such a machine. And what's the most upsetting part of this whole Bama thing is that, like, the thing you could always count on with Bama previously was, like, they didn't have a quarterback who was dynamic. They didn't have, you know, more than one really good receiver. But now they've got three star receivers and a probably top three pick in quarterback. And they still have the same defense they've always had. I mean, it's it's getting pretty wild down there. And it's going to be – I don't know. Like, I think Ohio State's really damn good. We know Clemson can turn it on as good as anybody. And these other SEC teams are pretty good. But I just – it does feel like, like a Thanos situation where it's like Bama just feels inevitable. Yeah, absolutely. Even though Clemson dismantled Florida State 45-14, to 14, um, as you mentioned, Clemson might be a – a little more flawed than they were last year. We're seeing some chinks in, you know, the armor. But uh, I think the bigger takeaway for me after this game is the ACC is so bad, so bad that they will undoubtedly be sending an unranked team to the Orange Bowl, huh. undoubtedly, because if you think about who is the next best team, who will lose in the ACC championship game, Pitt. I mean, I don't know Syracuse. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm. T- I'm telling you, like they, Duke, Miami. I mean, Virginia? these teams are. Oh, Miami beat Virginia this weekend. Wow, that's right. That. Virginia lost. So you got Louisville, four and two. Wake Forest lost to Louisville. Wake was undefeated, five and one. Do you feel good about Wake in the yeah. Orange Bowl? You know, there. There's only Clemson and Wake are the only zero or one loss teams. I was going to say every other team has at least two losses. And if you look at the ACC championship game, it is probably at this point, well, it's Dukes to lose that spot. Uh, and yeah, I think Clemson will absolutely roast Duke. So you're probably sending Duke or like you said, Louisville, maybe wake. I don't, I don't really know. I just wonder if the orange bowl has some type of at large, uh, no qualification. No, no, this is happening, man. This is what, this is what. All right, so the we know. We know, say. We know which. You know what? Who's the other team in the? What's the other conference in the Orange Bowl? So the you SEC? know, don't put me on the spot. I believe no. it might. It, it's going to be. Um, it might. I think it's the SEC. Maybe that's bad. <laughs> but but we've overlooked one thing. Everyone forgot about the doozy cannon. Nah. The real inside track in the ACC uh, coastal division. It's 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 Pitt. They beat Duke already. Remember, they beat UCF, yeah. which is not an ACC team. But Pitt seemingly, um, even though they have a loss to Virginia, they have a four and two. Just saying, uh, they right. might be the ones. I mean, listen, they, I'm in. 
Yes. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm very in. So here we go. So currently their conference tie-ins are the ACC and then either SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame. So oh they could get – I mean, you could be looking at uh, Duke, Wisconsin, <laughs> Duke, LSU – you know, Duke, even Duke Notre Dame. I mean, what? boy, oof, Duke, that is ugly. Duke Notre Dame in the all pretension bowl. It's Pitt. I'm tired of you saying Duke. It's Sorry. Pitt. I'm in on Pitt. All right, H2P. All right, moving on. Final thing, a final game. I told you all to uh, watch this one. Lived up to the hype. Boise State drops a 59 burger on Hawaii, who kept pace with, or at least tried, and dropped 37. Anytime, you know, we're almost touching 100 total points. Yeah. You got to be in. I was going to say yeah. the, the over had to hit in this one. Oh, absolutely. But it was um, it's closer than you would have thought. So I told you I won't always ask you to stay up late with me to watch uh, watch Hawaii play, but this one was worth it. And Boise, uh, winningest all-time, pers- uh, all-time winning percentage in the country, uh, continuing to be undefeated. And they definitely are the inside track for the uh, group of five New Year's Six Bowl game. So I think they got a squad over there. The Big Ten results is moving along. Uh, Indiana blanks Rutgers 35 to nothing. I, I'm i not kidding right now when I tell you that I'm not sure Rutgers scores again. That do, do we wa- do, We have to. This is maybe the greatest stat line I, I've ever seen. Rutgers quarterback uh, something Langan. I don't know. Jay Langan. Johnny. Oh, great name. Johnny Langan, freshman, comes into this game against Indiana and goes 5 of 13 for exactly, technically the ESPN definition here is incorrect because it says yards. He threw for one yard, duh. End. No S. Uh, 5 of 13, one yard, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Quarterback rating of 1.5. that is fantastic rutgering. Like that that is that is as good of rutgering as you can get. I mean, offensively, that it, it is their leading receiver, uh, Aaron Young, three of three catches for four yards. Their third leading receiver, one catch for negative two yards. Aaron Rung, Aaron Young, former Michigan State recruit, probably regretting his decision. Dude, I'm serious when I'm telling you Rutgers out I mean, it's gonna get bad. They still have to play um, Ohio at Ohio, or excuse me, Ohio State at Penn State. Obviously, hopefully, Michigan State can continue the the tradition of never having lost to Rutgers in a Big Ten conference game in basketball or football. Um, potentially on the line this year, but <laughs> Rutgers is so bad; it's like uncomfortable at this point. It's not even that fun to make fun of anymore. Yeah. You know who's good though? Michael Penix Jr. 20 of, 20 of 29, 282 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Another nice day. My dude's putting numbers on the board. He sure um, is. And thank you for pronouncing his name correctly. Sorry. And uh, one of the more surprising, I would say, results is Purdue just waxes Maryland 40 to 14. So I want everyone, you know, I know no one wants to hear this, but no matter how bad it gets for us Michigan State fans, it can always, always be worse. Okay. Maryland. Remember how happy they were at the beginning of the year? Yep. They just lost to JV Purdue by 26. So I mean, there there'll always be these four programs to make you appreciate what you have in East Lansing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that doesn't even 
that that leaves out Illinois, right? Who, who lost forty two to twenty five to uh, Michigan? It, it was twenty eight to nothing out the gate, and then Illinois ran off twenty five unanswered, and it was like, what is happening right now? And then they looked down at their jerseys and realized they were Illinois. <laughs> I think so, the moral of this story is that Michigan is not good. You know, it's been here's the funny thing. Michigan and Michigan State Twitter had spent, God, years arguing about who has the superior program. And it's got to be funny for a, like Ohio State <laughs> to see that and be like, cool. Like, does it really matter? You both suck. Yeah, right. And so, like, whatever. They, they probably, they just laugh because ultimately like yeah michigan state's had some fun flirty performances but like really at the end of the day you're talking about two teams that are like you said programs that are comfortably two tiers below ohio state i mean ohio state truly is now i think this year is kind of they were always here but like they're officially doing like the oh we are bama good yeah i'll say it urban meyer held them back uh, <laughs> that's a hilarious take oh man so penn state uh travels to kinnick and takes down iowa 17 to 12 in the most big 10 score i've maybe ever seen <laughs> um and it, the game was as ugly as the score was so uh iowa outright fails it's uh two-week test in yep. a maybe not as an embarrassing manner as michigan state did uh, but seemingly not the real. I'd say the, re- the results yeah. are the same. I'd exactly. Pref- Two I'd L's, prefer, that's all you can look at. I think I'd prefer the <laughs> scores, maybe, that their sure. games came at, not ours. But It was uh, scored, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, God, what would that, what's that like? Um, and then the final game, and I'm going to give you a lot of color on this one, <laughs> because I was in Minneapolis this weekend. And Minnesota took down Nebraska 34 to 7. And I can't tell you how many Nebraska fans I saw. I mean, downtown was just full of red. And that just shocks me because Nebraska sucks this year, clearly. <laughs> they suck. They do. And, like, and that's okay. You know, a lot of teams suck. But to travel, and, you know, as you know, huge Minnesota stand now. Um, and until further notice, playoff bound, uh, golden golfers, six and oh, six and oh, it means who says, I mean, there are a lot of teams that wish they were sure are, and they're the schedule doesn't get, uh, too bumpy until later on. So whether you like it or not, I am riding the hype train that I know will derail. We all know that they're going to probably go nine and three and that's fine. They're happy with that. But, but for now, we are going to ride the playoff train. And I was at a bar in Dinkytown, and that's the uh, you know college area, uh, I guess, near the stadium. Wait, that's a real place? Yeah, Dinkytown, for sure. sure. What a minute, man. That is Minnesota pure right there. Yep. So we're down there, you know, having some bevs, meeting up with a bunch of, bunch of folks. Uh, my wife went to Minnesota and meeting up with a lot of old classmates. The bar that we were at, not one single person, no cheering, not even interested in the game, dude. <laughs> Didn't care. And I got, I'll be honest, I was a little worked up. I, I got a little worked up about it. And I started chirping 
I started chirping at Minnesota fans about how they needed to be a little, they need to be a little better here yeah. because I was like, I'm sorry. Are you, why the indifference, you know, and they likened it to me being a lions fan and that they knew that the Gophers were just going to let them down. And I was like, wow, wow, wow. Okay. You know, and, and I was just kind of in shock that they just didn't seemingly care that they were beating the shit out of Nebraska. And like, yeah, Nebraska's bad, but they, they'd have you know that they aren't. Right. And, and <laughs> it was just wild to me, the indifference. So I started pushing some buttons just to see what was <laughs> going on and started to tell them how bad their hockey program was. <laughs> well, that elicited some responses. Uh, that didn't, that <laughs> rubbed them the wrong way. And I didn't mean it, but I was just seeing if there was any type of emotional investment into Minnesota sports. There was. Do not talk about their hockey program in that way. <laughs> just a note. But I was like, good. I'm glad to see we got a little bit of uh, emotion going. Yeah. Let's try and channel that enthusiasm to support the boys who are New Orleans bound. They're Seriously. headed to the college football playoff. And so I was trying to get everyone on board this train. And I was trying to teach them how to chirp at all the Nebraska fans that were there. I I was trying to lead with a lot of like, hey, so did you drive in or did you, you know, how did you get here? Do you live here? And they're like, no, we flew in. A lot of people, oh, we flew in for it. And so my response is like, shit, you flew in to get your ass kicked, like (laughs) paid money to get on a plane, come all the way here and get pantsed on national TV. (laughs) That's how you spend your disposable income. Couldn't Couldn't be me. me. Could not be be me. So. Long story short, the Gophers fans, they're not buying the hype, but I will continue to uh, to conduct the uh, playoff train all the way to New Orleans. I'm on I'm on board. And first of all, thank you for that thorough, thorough rundown. I enjoyed it. I'm fully in on the Gophers. I think it says a lot when you can be 6-0 and and not ranked. I think that says a lot about the Well, they're ranked the now. They're ranked oh, are now. they now? Okay, good. They're 20th. 20th. Okay, 20th. Okay. Yep. PJ, Boat Rowan. Uh, nice to see a coach when you say, hey, you guys better do this, show up and actually do it. Um, and uh, I think it's a funny one note about Nebraska is that Michigan State currently this year has scored 81 points, given up 113. Nebraska is a worse version of this. They have points against wise, the third worst defense, uh, excuse me, second worst defense in the Big Ten behind only, of course, Rutgers, who, by the way, in the conference have scored seven points, seven That's points awesome. in the entire Big Ten. Um, now, Nebraska scored 69 nice points, which means 110 of their points came in their other games, and they've given up 130, a worse ratio than Michigan State's by a, a decent margin. So uh, Nebraska very much not back, and quite honestly, it feels pretty good. So, you know, the Goves, I, I mean, I'm going to get this, this take on the board before it, it's taken probably in two weeks when Nebraska or excuse me, when Minnesota's eight no mm-hmm. and goes into a bye. Just riding eight no high and hosting Penn State at home. It's gonna be awesome, by the way. Oh yeah. PJ Fleck already has all the maroon and gold gear you could ever want. His transition to USC head coach will be swift and smooth. <laughs> no chance. If you think they're going to hire him, so you think 
for the record, Urban Meyer is going to turn him down? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. All right, well, yeah, hey, I'm in. All right, cool. Um, All right, well, so let's, let's talk, talk about next week. Yeah, let's talk about next week. So some national games. Um, it's an interesting slate. Tennessee got their first SEC win beating Mississippi State this weekend, which was a little wild. Um, they traveled to Bama. I'm just I'm out on Tennessee, um, and their fans are probably worse than like Nebraska's man. Like they they think they're living in 1998 with Peyton Manning. So tune into that one for the LOLs. Yeah, that one will be fun to watch if you like watching you know utter carnage. Then you'll enjoy this one. It's all yours. Um, the afternoon slate could be interesting. Oregon, your Oregon Ducks, number yep. 12 in the country, at number 25, Washington Huskies. I think that might be interesting just because the Pac-12 is giving us so much, so many good games. Not good in the sense as we talk about, like, uh, good in that, in the way that you ate the entire bag of pizza rolls. And it was good at the time, but it's just disastrous. Yeah. That. It's a generally uh, bad decision, but it's fun at the time. Exactly. The Oregon at Washington, and then you also have Arizona State, 17th in the country, at number 13, Utah. It's 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 better than no football, I'll tell you that. It's upsetting to watch Herm Edwards run what seems to be a competent program. <laughs> That's maybe the most damning uh, uh, thing about Michigan State. I'll say it. it. It hurts so bad to, to see Herm Edwards, who wasn't even good on TV, to come out of retirement and everyone literally laugh in his face and say, what a joke, you program, you suck. And now he's sitting here at number 17 with a legitimately good defense, a good young quarterback who threw for 300 yards last week. Like, I, it makes me question what, if I know anything. This is truly one of those phenomenons where I'm like, wow, this is making me question my entire existence as a sports fan. So not just Herm, though. He also has Marv Lewis, right? Yep. He took <laughs> the ultimate, like, horcrux and has now turned it into, like, a competent program. And I just, for the life of me, do not understand how it's possible. Hey, man, it just, it's just sometimes you got to sit back and enjoy the chaos. I guess. Uh, the AAC is going to give – is actually a – I would call them a um, – they're better than the, AA, the ACC. Okay. I will go on record about that. I'm okay with that take. See, a uh, lot of really decent teams. Um, this week, Temple 5-1 and one at undefeated SMU. Um, that will be a fun game. And then Tulane at Memphis will be awesome. Tulane of one loss in Memphis with one uh, loss this past week, and I believe actually to Temple. Um, the Tulane at Memphis game, will, there, a lot of points will be scored. A mm -hmm. lot of points. And Tulane... Um, recently, I think they just dropped 42 on Army. Um, okay. If you recall, Army holding Michigan to 14, like Tulane can get up and down the field. So Tulane and Memphis, watch it just for the points. Um, Temple at SMU might just be a really good game. So let's let's transition to the Big Ten. You want to take the our first Friday night game? Yeah. First one, uh, Friday night, Ohio State pays a visit to Evanston to take on the Northwestern Wildcats in what I can only assume will be a bloodbath, the likes of which we have not seen in a while from a team not named Rutgers, Maryland, Illinois, or Purdue. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's a big group. It's, a, it, it's four of the 14 teams, but I almost treat them in the, as like they're in their own league. Uh, it's going to be bad, I think. Like I, I think now that I've watched Ohio State up close and in person, um, I'm just not sure how a limited a team with a limited offense beats them at all. And and to call Northwestern's offense limited is probably being fairly nice about it. Um, especially they've been playing Aiden Smith, Hunter Johnson. I'm I'm not sure if he played. They had a bye week this week, I believe. Yeah. But um, no idea if he's going to be healthy. Either way, hasn't looked like a world beater anyway. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I just have a hard time seeing them hanging in this one for very long. Hey, man, they had a whole week to figure it out, so we will find out. Um, and you know what? I pro- None of you would have ever considered watching this game unless it was on a Friday night, so yep. enjoy that. Uh, Wisconsin at Illinois, in, I, <laughs> it's going to be rough, man. Yeah, this is another bloodbath waiting to happen. Uh, Wisconsin's probably just going to run all over Illinois. Um, but, I mean, listen, Illinois showed a little bit of life against a, a decent Michigan defense, so uh, I have a hard time envisioning them doing the same thing here. But it's not impossible. Thank you for trying to sell what will end up being a 40-point beating. Yeah. Uh, because that we are light on OPE game opportunities, this is my OPE game. Purdue at Iowa. Um, Iowa may be bad. And... <laughs> It sure looks that way. Well, you know what? They hung with Michigan and Penn State. Um, So I don't know if bad is fair, considering you just rattled off four teams who are legitimately bad. Yes. But um, Purdue put out an A-plus game with her JV team. Um, Who knows? Maybe there's a huge hangover in in Iowa City, and they just – they give up on the season. Who knows? I think Iowa's defense is still really good. It is. So I'm kind of still in on them, but – uh, yeah, Frisky Iowa is officially dead after this week, and it's it's really just a shame. Nate Stanley, by the way, bad. He went from being what I thought was an underrated potential uh, NFL quarterback to just being so terrible. And it tells me so much about the eye test. Because I remember when I saw his numbers, I was like, wow, I didn't realize that he was that good because every time I watched him, he looked like shit. And now I'm realizing that, oh, he is just shitty. He's, the numbers are lying to me in this in this scenario. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? I, they should win this game. But this is Iowa, once again. Sort of like your, your really interesting uh, just experiment every year. Because this game, theoretically, should be a big Iowa win. But you don't know. We have no idea. This could be a 20-point Purdue win, too. So this is two of the more high-variance teams in terms of performances. So we'll see what happens. All right, keeping it moving, Indiana uh, taking on uh, one – what's the best word? Where is Maryland at right now if you were to rank them between – Where do you feel they they land? Um, Like on the the goodness matrix? Yeah. Yeah, they're stinky. I I might give them – but see – the ups and downs, though, make me want to say frisky, but they're like bad frisky. Like there's good frisky and bad frisky. And right now they are they are as high high ceiling and low floor as you could possibly get. And well, yeah, they're playing without Josh uh, Jackson, their quarterback. That's bad. So now they're stinky for sure. Absolutely. So um, Josh, uh, you know, decent, decent, decent 
Big Ten QB. Um, you know, last game, you know, they, they lost 40 to 14 at Maryland. You had a new Pigram came in 21 of 39, 218 yards and two picks. Just left a lot to be desired. He did run for 107 yards, but again, that defense at Maryland, unless you're playing, te- they're playing Texas, it ain't, it ain't <laughs> worth it. Uh. Uh, <laughs> so the Indiana, the nine win Indiana train, it's off schedule, but um, another win here, and we get to start having a conversation about if it can get back on schedule. And uh, Crimson Quarry, the SB Nation, uh, our, our brother, sister blog, they made it clear that nine win Indiana includes a bowl game. Oh, that's a nice cop out on their part. Good job, guys. Good move. Good move. So Minnesota um, playoff bound heads to Rutger, and as we mentioned, they are going to keep the train rolling. And whether you like it or not, and this is why it's so funny, the college football playoff show is going to happen in a couple weeks. Minnesota has to be on it. Has to. <laughs> they'll be undefeated no one has you don't have a choice not to put them on yeah it's great. it's awesome it's true it's true i mean listen you got to give them they give them the respect that they're due at this point but uh listen you go in here and put anything uh, anything less than a beat down on rutgers and they might just be like you know what never mind <laughs> all right and then finally the big 10 game of the week number 16 michigan heads into happy valley uh number seven penn state hosts them in a night game and Penn State has a lot of pent-up anger at Michigan the past uh, handful of years. So uh, I, I, Michigan better show up, man, because yeah. um, Iowa was able to make it a, a game because they held, they were able to hold Penn State's pretty explosive offense in check. Um, but Michigan's going to have to figure out how to score probably over 20 points and or else this could get ugly. Yeah, and like you said, Penn State's got one of the better defenses, second-best scoring defense in the Big Ten. Um, you know, we're talking about an elite unit, and Michigan's offense, you know, when they, they, they do their thing against shitty teams, but then they play good teams and things kind of fall apart. So um, this would be a huge win for them. I and mean, honestly, it would get things right back on track for them. Uh, but, right. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Penn State at this point sees that they're – Everything they want is right in front of them, and I just have a hard time seeing them dropping this one at home at night. I mean, they've had experience embarrassing Michigan at night in the past. I, I think they'll try, obviously, try to do the same thing here. But uh, I, I, I do see some some enigmatic behavior from Penn State as well. I mean, I know Iowa's defense is good, but to only score 17 points and really have to scratch and claw to get there uh, is not a great sign i think michigan's defense maybe not the same caliber as iowa's but penn state is one of those and as i feel like they have kind of been since james franklin got there it's boom or bust they are either out there and this thing is humming or they're putting up 17 14 17 points now the difference i think between this team and previous teams is that defense and just how good it is but um yeah michigan is this is a big test man this is a big test for both sides and i think it kind of just you know, if if Penn State's able, really, because the winner of this game is second in line in the Big Ten East, so uh, it's it's definitely an important one. Yeah, and um, I guess if there's a something of Michigan State related, maybe a silver lining of sorts is, you know, if Michigan gives Penn State any type of game, um, it will be very helpful um, as Michigan State rests up over the bye week here. Um, so, 
you know, normally this would be the time where we do why your program stinks. Here is why the bye week stinks. Um, means we don't get to be on Twitter being mad online. But yeah. we can all be on Twitter being mad online at different games. Um, nice. So we will see you guys Saturday to do some yelling um, on the Twitter. Yeah, but in the meantime, uh, you know, listen, if you don't want to be in front of your TV this Saturday, go, you know, some 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 activities that you could do this time of year, you know, apple picking, get a pumpkin, carve a pumpkin. Pleasant. Um, I, I don't What's- know. Get it all out of your system uh, because Hoops is coming up, and Austin and I will be yeah. putting together a basketball preview pod um, for not this, obviously, bye week, but uh, the next bye week after Penn State. So um, get ready, guys, because Hoops is right around the corner. Yes, and I think we'll all have more fun with that season than we have with this one so far. Long ways to go here. Stick with us. Five games left. Uh, very, Some of them very winnable. Others include games against Michigan that, uh, you know, obviously matter more than any of the others. So still some very important stuff left on the slate. Chance for a, for a good end of the season here. Uh, I hope everybody um, sticks with us through both these bye weeks. But enjoy the bye, uh, and we will catch you guys next week. Um, and guess what? We won't lose this week. Won't have lost. Won't have lost. Undefeated this week. All right, guys. So for John, this is Austin. We will catch you guys uh, after the bye. See you. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.